you aren't being a proper woman, therefore you must be a witch. You must be a witch. Hello to the Missing Witches Coven. It's your Auntie Amy, and we are joined today by another coven of sorts. Um, it's, uh, it's a round table, so you're going to hear a bunch of voices today, but I'm going to start with someone you already know, having been on the show a couple times. One of our so-called patron saints of the Missing Witches Project. <laughs> is, uh, and by that, I mean someone that we know that we can go to and just be, have our minds blown and have complete faith in, in you know, your intellect and your values. Sorry. This is turning into a bit more of a blowjob than I expected it to, but... <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> that said, I think we're all getting a little bit lonely these days, so <laughs> the blowjob of compliments will continue. So I'm going to hand it to you, White Feather, to uh, introduce yourself and to get the ball rolling. Okay, thanks, Amy. Um, I think probably the best place for me to start is to read what I sent you. Uh, our little blurb. So we are four women battling COVID-19 from our homes in Montreal and Gatineau, Quebec, and Cannes, France. Did I pronounce that properly, Emily? Uh, this one is Caen, but it's okay. Caen, okay. <laughs> Caen, France. Uh, we are artists and feminists bound together through our shared experiences of embodying a disease that has baffled the world. And we were drawn together first through mutual acquaintances in the art world. Um, and then we became more tightly bound by providing each other with essential support through constant presence, witchy knowledge, um, and unconventional care practices in response to medical communities that have just not been able to meet our needs. So uh, we are Amélie Deschamps. Hello. Becca Blackwood. Salut. Krista Muir. Hello. Did I pronounce I'm your name properly? Well, if you go full Scots, it's uh, Muir. But uh, <laughs> anything from Moyer to Moyer, it's cool. <laughs> Amazing. I, I have to interrupt here one second as a little Easter egg for the Missing Witches listeners. Arisa and I actually met through Krista. Um, and we've talked about you on the podcast before, but it's so, we were just saying like super bizarre to have you on the show in this context and, <laughs> and this be the way that, to break the ice. But yeah, Arisa and I have known Krista for I don't know what, how long have I lived in Montreal, Chris? 18 years or something, I think I've known yeah, you. Yeah, a very well, long time. Yeah, yeah. a very long time. And, <laughs> and I didn't know that you had encountered White Feather, who obviously I'm a big fan of. Um, anyway, yeah. so yeah, a little East Cosmic. For the Missing Witches listening. Yeah, yeah we, we kind of, we're full circle here. We are our full circle moment. Please. So uh, the four of us share an eerie similar. Eerie. Clarity that are not talked about in mainstream media. Yeah. Can you can you start um, that sentence again? Because you actually like ghosted out the word eerie. I ghosted out on yeah. eerie. Okay. Oh, eerie. <laughs> I'm gonna leave eerie. that in. Okay. Spooky. Mm -hmm. So uh, the four of us share an eerie similarity um, of atypical symptoms that are not often talked about in mainstream media, such as pericarditis. Uh, and whole body neurological damage. 
along with all of the complications surrounding these serious ailments caused by COVID-19. And one of the biggest challenges that we faced has been fighting for our lives, literally fighting for our lives while being disbelieved and dismissed by doctors, family members, and sometimes humanity at large. So as feminists, um, we know that this is already a pervasive problem for women who are navigating the medical landscape. Um, and so we've believed in each other. Uh, and that's truly helped us survive and work towards recovery from this disease. And something else that we can talk about what's helped us a great deal has been uh, a really invaluable resource that's facilitated by a queer feminist network in New York City called The Body Politic and their COVID-19 recovery support group. So this group gained over 5,000 members. I don't know where they're at now. They're at like, like 14,000, I think now. Are you? Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, they were only at 5,000. So they've exploded um, just through word of mouth, which is incredible. And these, the members of the support group includes uh, medical professionals as well, um, who've been infected on the front lines. And so this support group has provided us with uh, a wellspring of information, free resources, uh, but most importantly, the kind of validation that has been missing that we've really needed. So, you know, we're here to say that it has not escaped us that the most cutting edge, respectful and caring information about the disease has been made uh, accessible through an intersectional queer feminist network. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so the whole thing has been dramatically life altering for each one of us. Uh, and we hope that the four of us can continue to heal together. Um, and also pave the way to help others who get sick after us. And we know that that's just an explosion happening in the US right now in particular, but also in Montreal. Um, yeah. So we wanna help uh, others navigate the failures of the healthcare systems globally. And I mean, Amélie can talk a little bit about what's happening in France as well. Um, all while prioritizing mental health during these unprecedented, very scary times. Yeah, um, I think it was, Emily, you sent this quote that I want to read <laughs> um, from Adrian Rich. And the quote that you sent is, there, there must be those among whom we can sit down and weep and still be counted as warriors. <laughs> and I mean, obviously, yeah. that's particularly yeah! the situation, <laughs> but also in any given situation, we talk a lot about vulnerability being strength and I think it was back in May when the things started to pop off I, I a good friend of mine uh, manages a grocery store so I brought her onto the show and she was also involved in a sort of support group for people who are on the front lines and just was finding it so um, useful and so healthy for her so how did all of you make this coven we agreed on the term coven they're they're allowing me to use it <laughs> In the COVID coven. The COVID coven. Yeah. yeah. The coven. Yeah. <laughs> so how did this like uh, uh, formulate and formalize? Started with Emily. 
then maybe I'll ask you, Emily, how did yeah. this formulate and uh, formalize? I was in the hospital. It was, um, I think it was on the 9th of April. Would you be that? Or I don't know. I don't remember, actually. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the exact date. But I know I was in the hospital and I was <laughs> uh, in the ER and uh, waiting for my results and everything. And I was scrolling on Facebook and I saw a white feather posting some stuff saying she was sick and and had come back from uh, Australia and she was like sort of listing a few um, symptoms that were very similar were well, actually just the same as I was experiencing and and I can't actually that's the thing with I can't remember precisely <laughs> We all we all have short term memory loss, so there might be a lot of like. <laughs> yeah. So this yeah. this this is one this of the is, symptoms. Is, short term. Yeah. 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 Brain lag. It's, it's it's real. <laughs> uh, so I remember, but I don't that uh, she yeah she just something was like fuck, I, and then I just wrote to her like we had never met. I we just uh, knew each other from. Uh, an art center that I had worked in, blah, 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 but like never, we never met. And I wrote to her saying I was sorry to pop somehow in our life, like even if we didn't know each other and enter directly a very intimate subject, but that I thought her, her um, symptoms were very uh, serious and that she should take it seriously and actually go to the ER. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I had already been experiencing COVID symptoms in Australia. That's where it started for me. And uh, in Australia, they refused to test me. They're like, no, go home. Don't come back unless you're gasping for breath. You know, even though my partner had traveled through the Middle East and had just arrived back and we were both sick. Um, I guess there weren't enough tests at the time. This is sort of the classic story that's emerging. Uh, so I had sort of gone through some symptoms um, from about March 12th until the end of March. And my symptoms had seemed to subside. And around April 2nd, I got on a plane to come back to Canada because basically the, the Australian government said, go home. So that's what I did. Um, and once I was back in Canada, I, I guess about four days after I got back, all of my symptoms came back, but with a new set of symptoms. And I didn't really associate them necessarily with COVID. I didn't really know what I was dealing with. And so when uh, Emily said, oh, hey, um, I've got this going on. I'm in the hospital right now. You need to take this seriously. I was like, oh, shit. Um, and, you know, in fact, she may have saved my life because uh, within 12 hours of that, I think, you know, I was in the hospital, uh, I was taken by ambulance because I was having severe crushing chest pain, numbness, squeezing, tingling in my left arm. Um, you know, it felt like somebody was standing on my chest. And you mentioned, I think, uh, this is my chicken scratch note that I wrote down here, pericarditis. Pericarditis. Yeah. What's that? <clears throat> I'm going to assume that our listeners also have no idea what it's, that is. It's infl inflammation of your heart tissue and a little, and like water around the heart. It's an envelope around your heart that kind of fills a little bit with water and gets inflamed. 
kind of, right? That's, I learned about it. It's the protective sac around your heart is the pericardium, I think. And then it's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we all, that was the common thread medically between all of our stories. And that, yeah. Yeah. So I was diagnosed condition. with pericarditis shortly after Emily reached out to me. And then um, another mutual acquaintance in the art world uh, saw that I had started posting about this experience um, on Instagram and said, oh, hey, you need to talk to my friend, Becca, yeah. and, and sent me her coordinates, and I reached out to her. And yeah. you're, in, you're in Gatineau? Currently, yeah. Yeah, and I'm in Montreal, and then, and then when Whitefather reached out to me, I guess you were kind of the first person who I talked to. I had talked to a couple different people around the world through different friends. Um, but you had almost exactly the same symptoms as I w had, uh, even down to like the, the left arm, mm -hmm. shooting pains at the left arm, going straight up into my heart. Um, with, I mean, through like, the armpit. Yeah, right through the armpit, up into the heart. I couldn't even, I mean, I'm still having trouble with my left arm. So, um, but, uh, so, and this at the time also, I was, I never associated it with COVID a lot because I, at first I thought maybe it was something else because I had felt like I was getting better. And then about a bit over a month in, it, I suddenly just completely crashed and it was like my lungs were on fire and, um, I, I couldn't actually stand up. I was like doubled over and I was having crazy numbness in my left arm and shooting pains and shooting pains in my esophagus and, and my head and all these things. And, uh, and so, you know, ended up in the hospital multiple times, like five times, I think. And, um, and then, yeah, spoke to Whitefeather and she was... And our message thread was like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, immediately. It was like, me too, me too, me too. Yeah. And, uh, and then I, I was like, I, I had just discovered body, body politic at that time. And, um, and so I said, you know, do you know about this thing? And then, and then you know, which is what I say to any, any person who comes to me who's like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, just join this thing. Because that was the thing that made me stop going to the emergency room because I just realized that there were so many thousands of us and that the, the emergency room doctors, like I needed to get to specialists, which now I have, but it was a fight to get, but um, the emergency room doctors don't know what to do with you. There's nowhere for them to put you. And then you're, every time you go, you're exposing yourself to more things and potential secondary infections. So it, it just, um, they really didn't have solutions other than slamming my body full of a lot of morphine and uh, anticoagulants and anti-inflammatories and that type of thing. So it was steroids. It just, yeah. I actually never got steroids. They refused to give me them because they were too scared that it would put me over the edge and potentially kill me. So I never received steroids and they still are not sure if they'll ever give them to me because they're still doing tests and they're still not willing to do them until I have more tests. I'm still getting extensive testing. So um, but it was because I was at a certain point where I was so bad that they thought if we put, if, if you have any of the infection left in your system at this point, and we give you even a low dose steroid and that suppresses your immune system even a little bit, you could die. So we're not going to take that chance. So they, they said to me, literally, you just have to pretend that you're being tortured and like meditate through it. That was like what I got. And I got a blood pressure monitor and oximeter at home and I just had to monitor it hour by hour. 
Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of uh, advice for chronic pain is like, it's mostly just like distraction. It's not even something that's going to help with your actual pain, but just like whatever you can do. Like, I wanted to punch a computer screen when, you know, the first time I read, like, listen to some music. I was like, okay, yeah. I get it. You know, distraction is great, but like, yeah. you can only be distracted. From yeah, there was like no distraction from this, unfortunately. I wish there, ah, <laughs> I no. wish there could have been, but there was no, there was no way. It, it was a complete and full body experience of like, I didn't really get, I was on at certain points, like four different types of anti-inflammatories. I was on, uh, you know, three, uh, three drugs taking morphine plus three droppers of, of CBD and one of THC every three hours. And that was like just enough to keep me out of the hospital, basically. Can we just say how amazing CBD oil has been? <laughs> yeah. Can we just round of applause for CBD? Like right now. Like, yeah. Thank you, yeah. CBD. Thank <laughs> you. Um, to pick up that thread. So then I connected uh, Emily and Becca. And mm -hmm. we became a group of three. And yeah. sh shortly after that, um, another friend, uh, a choreographer I know in Montreal said, hey, uh, I've, I've seen that you've been going through this stuff and I have a friend who, you know, is on her own right now dealing with this and I'd really like to connect you. And I was like, yes, please. So then um, I got introduced to Krista and brought Krista yeah. into the fold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. So yeah, it was a childhood friend actually. And I had, a, I kind of briefly explained what I was going through. And then it was interesting because another friend from a different circle who was a visual artist, he also said, you should really contact White Feather. And at first mm -hmm. I was a little bit shy. And again, like Amelie mentioned, like, do I just dive into something super, you know, bodily personal? But at this point, <laughs> I actually didn't really, I just gave her. And uh, I was so happy that White Feather responded <laughs> in such yeah. a positive and welcoming way. Um, because there's yeah, again, there's yeah. definitely yeah, because... a moment where your your desperation overpowers your shame. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, you know, big time. Like, and, and, and as Emily um, said, like she felt shy and potentially saved White Feather's life. So let's have a shout out to like, don't be shy, like Cat Stevens said. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like reach out to people. So yeah, yeah. please carry yeah. on. So that was um that was what brought me in and. Uh, what was kind of interesting about the whole scenario for me was that I had had all of the classic COVID symptoms for the month of December, uh, but they were not talking about it then. And who knows wow. if it was that, but I literally had all of them. But wow. then this was December and then it subsided and faded away. And I yeah. was on tour in March in Texas and this all started bubbling to the surface. I was like, I got to get back home. And I got home and I had the similar pain that I had in my chest from back then. Wow. At that time, they thought was maybe pneumonia, but it was ruled out. And so I ignored this pain for weeks thinking, oh, it's just whatever, residual thing, or maybe it's whatever it is. And I, until the palpitations began and the squeeze yeah. of the chest. And then I went in and got the scan, a CT scan that revealed that I had pericarditis, um, inflammation around my heart, which is not part of my family history. I've never had a heart condition. And I'm like... And the doctor literally said, oh, usually you get this when you're recovering from a virus. But yeah. they used to test me for COVID at that point because mm -hmm. I had no 
symptoms other than the heart condition. Wow. That's it. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just a random virus during a global pandemic, right? It's like, it could be any other virus or it could be COVID. Anyway, that was my, and so I was so happy to meet White Feather and Becca and Amelie because I had literally zero uh, confirmation or any even possibility from any of the doctors I talked to. So I, I went home and I had zero medication. They would not re- um, prescribe me anything for either pain or inflammation. And wow. so on a completely, I had nothing. I had extra strength Tylenol at night for the week and a half. I thought I was going to die from the heart wow. pain. And uh, thankfully I was already on supplements through a naturopath. And they are some of the supplements that now everyone is, we've all been talking about these. Yeah, things. we all take the same ones. The NAC. <laughs> yeah. I was already on acetylcysteine, which... Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? But anyway, this is in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. How I got brought in and how interesting the the heart. Yeah, we <laughs> we all. Um, well, I know for me and Becca for sure. Um, Emily, not so much. Krista, not so much. I guess, but we were prescribed a grab bag of medications. You know, yeah. like I was prescribed about seven different medications you know, like narcotics, um, steroids, uh, naproxen, which is an anti-inflammatory yeah. that can basically kill your stomach, yeah. um, a stomach Pant- medication, pantoprazole. pantoprazole, which is death on wheels, um, yeah. you know, inhalers, um, other stomach medications, you name it. And the four of us together have sort of been hashing out and and trying out and sharing with each other the most effective herbal remedies that um you know we've used and have found good results with uh, i mean cbd oil being the top but you know <laughs> and per- curcumin just from my anyways yeah, curcumin is like exactly. game changer i like can't function in the daytime if i don't have curcumin yeah yeah i yeah. have a turmeric latte every morning instead of coffee now <laughs> which is delicious and thins my blood and kills the pain. Um, yeah. You know, so... on any medication. They only gave me um, Tylenol and or paracetamol here because here in Europe, they early, very early said that they would not prescribe any anti... Um, what is it Anti-inflammatories. Mm-hmm. In, because they said it was worse. So basically... Uh, they just said go home and go through the the shit with the you know like paracetamol and at some point i got opium and then i got the colchicine didn't you get colchicine at some point but you didn't take it that 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 was like pretty recent that was like maybe three weeks ago okay but i didn't take it you didn't yeah no i took the curcuma so i uh, for my part i never took anything but morphine yeah. And, uh, and opium a little bit, but yeah. And again, that, that's not a cure. It's like a distraction. Yeah, yeah it, it basically like, numbs, it keeps you out of the hospital, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like it was just like, oh, I can somehow like rest for two hours before yeah. the, the pain comes back, like kicking. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You anything else and you, there is no position. Yeah. There is like, for me, it was not someone sitting on my chest. It was really like a donkey, like a donkey. (laughs) Large, large mammal. Yeah. And and all over the ribs, like the ribs. Oh God, the ribs. Yeah. 
Fuck. Yeah. So I how never are... had a break. Never had a break. How are all of you dealing with the information, misinformation, trying to figure out what's what? That I mean, as someone who doesn't actually knock wood, I guess I, you know, I haven't been tested, so I'm hiding in the woods this whole time. So hopefully, again, knock wood, let the fairies out. Um, the the most difficult part for me is is trying to wade through these like, and of course we, we live in a time where the internet, anybody who has a computer connection can be like writing articles. I'm using square scare quotes for everybody who's listening. Yeah. Anybody can say whatever they want. And so again, like I'm super grateful to have had white feather uh, being so candid about your experience, because again, like I, I trust not only your values, but like your scientific mind, you know, the side that you respect the scientific method, <laughs> very least or method methodology of some kind. So how have you all been rooting through all of the information? Collectively together um you know that's really important but um yeah and you're very lucky to be a witch in the woods i have to say because you know each one of us contracted this through travel yeah you know we we were all somewhere we had to travel and uh as a result sort of yeah um, were floored by it yeah um and we all contracted it right around the same time, although Krista, you you were a little bit earlier, but right around the time just before the lockdown happened. Yeah. You know? So in a way, what we've been experiencing together is that we've been compiling and sorting through information and coming up with our own answers before yeah. they hit the mainstream. Yeah, I would say like a lot of what's been helping uh, us and me kind of get through this information is the fact that like being inside these groups, people are sharing the latest scientific studies, people are sharing the late latest herbal rem remedies, or they're saying like, my doctor gave me this, or my osteopath told me this, ask for this test. Um, certain things like I, you know, I there was a guy in the group who was talking about how he tested negative multiple times and he, he knew that it was in his spine, like he was in so much pain and he begged his doctor to do a spinal tap and he did, he did a, then the doctor did a spinal tap and they found COVID-19 in his spine. Um, and, you know, and then that was something that like I had been considering asking my neurologist for a spinal tap. Um, and even though I had a positive test, I just, I felt like it was more in my nervous system and I still have no taste and smell. So I was really wanting to know a little bit more about that. And he said, that, and, and, and I think that's also part of like the expanding of testing, like, and people's people who, um, you know, have done stool tests, like they're just starting to do stool tests and finding it. And, and all those people are testing negative. And we're kind of hearing that in the groups earlier before that's even hitting the mainstream news. Yeah. And, and uh, also we can, we, I feel like we've, it educated ourselves so much scientifically that we can call bullshit on something almost immediately. We're like, no, that's bullshit. That's the T cells or that's this or that. And, uh, you know, yeah. it's kind of like, we really are, I feel like because we're, I mean, I'm spending hours a day reading this stuff because I'm, I'm feeding it to my doctors and I'm like, I now have, because I've been speaking out about it, I have, and I'm sure it's the same with you, White Feather, and, and, and Krista, maybe you too, but because I've been speaking about it publicly, because I want people to know how awful it was, and I want them to take precautions, now all these people are starting to reach out to me, being like, 
I'm really sick. I have this and that. And it's all through friends. So I'm getting like 15, 20 messages a day from people all over the world that I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, what about this? Have you taken this? What's your vitamin levels? What's your, yeah. and it's like, I'm not, I'm not like telling people what to do. I'm saying, this is what helped me like electrolytes, curcumin, yeah. Um, eating bananas, you're going to pee out all your potassium, like bromelain, 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 queen over queen over there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's actually strange because every time I take bromelain, I don't feel, I don't have a good day. Really? That's yeah. so interesting. I, I took it like four times and nah, not huh. yeah. I so wonder why. Everybody's different. Yeah. 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 Everybody. I think zinc I, I took zinc for like the for two months every day then i had a break and then i bought some like very e efficient uh, i don't know what's called like a liquid that you put under your tongue mm -hmm. and every time i have to puke so i stop. oh me too that zinc happens to me too and i have to i have to take away smaller amounts like the, of the spray stuff because it makes me vomit <laughs> okay. i don't know what that is <laughs> I, we're just like getting totally into it this is for all this is we're in public this is a it public gives podcast. me zits okay. <laughs> zinc yeah. gives me zits so you know yeah. you look you look worse and you feel worse <laughs> oh my god but the thing that's interesting about all this is that since i don't know exactly when we all four ended up in the same thread at this point because i can't remember exactly what day that was but since then i think we've spoken every single day multiple times a day we, our thread has been all day, every day, someone yeah. wakes up in the middle of the night, has a weird thing going on, their heart rate <laughs> shoots up, someone's blood pressure is low, and it's like hour by yeah. hour, yeah. even like relationships up. We're just like, whatever is going through the motions, we're, we're <laughs> like, we're there. And it's like, it is, it is a true coven, I think. <laughs> yeah. Including sharing information about the latest and greatest uh, vibrator. Which yeah. I still have to get one, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was not in that <laughs> my supplements took precedence i have a bit of a budget so the supplements were first and then the yeah. vibrator comes later so yeah you know. yeah because if you don't even have the energy to masturbate then exactly. what's exactly the <laughs> exactly your heart is racing even before you do it then oh. yeah, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah I mean, obviously like you've all kept your sense of humor how do you it's manage? It's a coping skill. Oh, I, yeah. I've it comes and goes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's talk about, like, I would say that maybe 2020 has been, like, my angriest year since I'm, like, 15 years old, <laughs> you know? Um, so hmm. how do you teach people that they should care about other people? Oh God! Wow! Honestly, I'm not able to cope with that. Actually, I'm still like because my brain is so—I don't know how to say. I mean, I feel extremely stupid. Like I feel dumb. Like I mean, it's getting better, but it's—it's very hard for me to articulate thought. Yeah. Yeah, we all have neurological dysfunction big time. For, example, for some reason I don't. I don't know why. Because well, I don't lucky have you. <laughs> no, I Because no, you I had it in January or you had it in December. Yeah. 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 That's the one thing for me that I feel that I haven't 
had this that similar experience yeah. and I've been following the threads of all three women about the neurological elements yeah. and uh, I've been finding it very I mean I live alone and I've been alone and I am so thankful that I don't have that particular set because I think alone with neurological issues from what yeah. I've heard through their experiences I it would be extremely hard to keep going day to day and yeah. my my mechanism coping mechanism alone as a single person living alone in an apartment in a scary city where people aren't really very respectful outside. Um, I've yeah. been making masks since this began at the end of March. I've been sewing masks. I've masked over 250 people from Canada, US, <laughs> France, Amelie. <laughs> I've said Amelie. some to and and Becca, and I haven't to white feather yet because you have to We need to do a masks. trade. But we we'll should do a trade. Do a trade. Yeah. But to me, I've been putting in my good energy and what I consider my magic powers into these masks and I've been masking people uh, to for health purposes yeah. and spiritual purposes and that's become a daily practice for me so that's one so of the things if if some let's say one or two of our listeners out there are still uh i'm going to use the l word too lazy or um have come up with some other reason um can you just give me like the one two punch that's going to shake them out of whatever the fuck this is that they're not thinking or thinking yeah i'm angry i said about, it about wearing a about mask? mask wearing but which, yeah. oh masks mask wearing yeah. you're talking about mask holes mask yeah. holes yeah. <laughs> you're talking about mask holes and mask bashing yeah which, uh, and- i think most of us have experienced yeah. these. I'm, yeah, I'm happy to take your emails, listeners, if you do have a problem with this. I'm not sure um, how you rationalize that. Maybe you can email me and try to explain to me how you rationalize um, I just had not talk- caring about other people. But yeah, Emily, go ahead. I just had a talk uh, earlier tonight with because it's evening here uh, with the father of my daughter with whom I'm not living anymore. And he uh, posted yesterday or maybe the day before, I don't remember. Um, <laughs> the, uh, something about I think the, it was two days ago. Yeah, <laughs> Time doesn't exist. Time doesn't exist. We don't have to worry about it. <laughs> no. um, uh, yeah, about, uh, well, how, you know, how wearing masks was a manipulation. It was useless because, I mean, he's a really clever guy. And wow. I've just been like, what the fuck? Like, he's been, like, supportive with our daughter. She's nine. I was not able at all to see her for five weeks. And then I could only see her for, like, two hours every uh, second or th- third day for, like, another more than a month. So, I mean, like, you know, he was, like, in the, in the ship with me somehow without being here. And then, yeah, just like two days ago, na na na, wearing mask, and I was like, "What the fuck?" I mean, I re- still inside of me, I know he's not like an asshole, so I'm just like trying to understand what the fuck is going on. Like, why are you spreading this stupid mm-hmm. thing, and why are you actually? Why am I finding out that he's going to the grocery store with our daughter without masks? Wow! Oh and my god! What the Oh, oh man and last week he was sick for 10 days coughing and and uh, sleeping a lot and he didn't go to the doctor and he didn't get tested and i had to you know like get the story through my daughter and then like write to him in the middle of the night saying what the actual fuck and 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 my answer is that i think he's still in in some sort of like denial yeah 
And, and so I would tell people what, to answer your question, I would say that I remember, I would say that uh, uh, I was very healthy. I was like uh, sporty. I think we can all say that yeah. it was our health situation. I never had any uh, heart issues, like never, nothing. The only thing that happened to me, I broke my back, you know, once I broke a vertebra, but other than that, I never had any health issues at all. So maybe just like hear that because that's not what you, maybe that's like one of the things you should put your nose into rather into the mask uh, debate, if there is any, like try to look why is uh, nobody or very few people talking about the actual reality of this disease yeah. um, you know, aside from people dying or just the flu. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's the takeaway for sure. And I think, you know, with, with the internet, you always have very polarized black and white conversations, um, or micro conversations, I guess, happening, and no one actually understands the more nuanced reality of the situation, no matter what the situation is on yeah. the internet, but especially with this situation. And, you know, I've had to disown family members who are actually taking the time to produce YouTube yeah. videos wow. where they're talking about how people who wear masks are stupid. And I'm thinking, try on COVID. You yeah. fucking try it on. Yeah. yeah. And then talk yeah. to me about, you know, not wearing a mask. Yeah. And I think, you know, we all are um, very committed to protecting the public now because you know, so much, so little is known about this disease that we don't even know if we're still infectious or not. You know, I mean, we don't think we are, but you know, it's like four months later, we don't think we are, but nobody actually knows. And I, I, like Emily mentioned, I was at peak health before I got infected with COVID. Like I was cycling marathons. Yeah, I was yeah, cycling like, 200 yeah. kilometers a week, you know, like that's, that's athletic. And now I mean, I can take a walk along the river. I I'm, I'm not really back on my bike. My coordination is completely fucked up because of the neurological yeah. issues. I've fallen off my bike twice, since getting sick with COVID. You know, the last time I fell off my bike was in grade six. So I'm still, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a multi-systemic mess in your body. Yeah. Yeah. And do you really want to take that risk? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people don't understand like this massive gray area between like asymptomatic and dead. And uh, even, even, <laughs> even, even now they're talking about like asymptomatic people are having damage, like lung damage and, and they're, they're finding all the stuff, even on people who don't feel anything um but what you what you don't realize you might think that you get will get over it but they're saying right now and this is like a very conservative estimate which is like that one in ten people uh will suffer long-term symptoms and that are neurological cardi like cardiac um and you know obviously pulmonary um and with all of those things they don't actually have any treatment for it so even when you get to the specialist they're like yeah we know, but we don't really know what to do. We don't really have a treatment. So I have right now, and I think like 
I know that like white father you have and every like we all have a lot of doctors I have right now mm -hmm. neurologist pulmonologist ear nose throat rhinologist infectious disease specialist like cardiologist like multiple cardiologists rheumatologists um, on top of like two doctors and you know a, a swath of other random people that have helped me along the way and they all kind of don't really know what to do with us at all and the only people that have really helped have been acupuncturists um yes. osteopaths like yes. people who actually like but we weren't we didn't even have access to them until like a month ago or less like a few weeks mm -hmm. ago because we were like you know we got the plague and no one wanted to let us in anywhere so <laughs> you know then now that we're allowed back in and they're able to treat us like that's the most relief that I've had with yeah. my heart and with everything. But I mean, the neurological stuff is real. I have internal tremors. I have trouble with my left yeah. arm. I'm having trouble with nerve shooting pain in my body. Um, on yeah. top of the brain fog, on top of like all these other things. Dysautonomia. And dysautonomia. And this is, yeah. this is like another thing about this, these groups that's been pretty amazing is that I have some people in there that are like in my DMs that are like scientists and really working high up at World Health Organization working groups and all these different places that are like really on the like the front lines pushing these studies. And so like I can actually kind of message them and say like, um, what about this? And what about that? And they've actually given me a lot more information than my own doctors. Like, you know, the guy from the working group in New York, uh, David Petrino, who's amazing. And he's at Mount Sinai. He he said to me, well, you know, you're you're taste and smell hasn't come back yet and uh it, it could take a really long time because your the, the nerves when they get se severely damaged in your olfactory bulb it grows at six millimeters or sorry it was one millimeter uh per week yeah so exactly. it's it's such and a you can amount. feel them regrowing yeah it's just or it's like it's like one or six i can't remember but it's i can't remember um but it, it is like a really <laughs> small amount per week where which it's which it's growing and so i'm kind of just they say the longer that it goes, the less like it's going to come back. I'm just crossing my fingers. And I'm also part of uh, like, I know that you all have your taste and smell mostly right back. Uh, except I've been it. having, I've been having phantosmia, phan oh, really? phantosmia for the last couple of okay. weeks. Yeah. Cause I have that too. And I'm on the, all these groups on Facebook and there's so many people who also were sick in March and still don't have it. And I think also people don't understand that there's a lot of us. So, I that, yeah, I think it's such a spectrum. That's part of what's so difficult. And I think yeah. it's because um, we haven't had the en masse personal stories like ours in the public. I, I, every time I read one, I really appreciate it. Like an actual person talking about their long-term experience. Yeah. And, yeah. Out. and I think that's going to help. Uh, help a lot with what's going on and people in being in denial because once you start hearing more and more actual people on the street of various ages talking about what actually happens i.e they're not asymptomatic or dead then i think yeah. hopefully <laughs> yeah. that will help but for me right when i heard about it i was like brought back to like childhood trauma of like having an asthma attack so severe i was in an air bubble and when i heard about what had happened wow. to a couple people including one person in montreal who was in peak, peak health and is in, in his 20s and was in the hospital and almost died yeah that immediately i i treated it as if i had it and i didn't want it to give to anyone and i yeah. asks and that to me that's i was hoping more people would be in that mindset um but yeah yeah. yeah, and also for the, the mask, I just want to add quickly that uh, 
it's not necessarily that I believe that the mask is working like a super shield. I just think it's a sign of, or like a reminder, like I want to keep my distance. Na 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 na. You know, yeah. it's like a, it's just like a sort of like a symbol. Yeah. Okay. I'll... All the arguments I hear them like they are saying like a virus is actually going through the mask and you need the, the, the pores to be that tight, na 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 na. Okay, fine. But still, it's, I mean, and also like, it, you can't come with like, um, you know, like uh, saying things like that when you live in a, in a small place with a density of population that is quite like, you know, low. And then yeah. compared to fucking Europe, because what I mean by that is that the, the father of my daughter was like uh, giving me an example of a Canadian uh, scientist. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, you know, here we, everybody is kissing each other, like to, just to say, oh, hello. God. No, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <gasps> no, but I mean, ah. not with the tongue, you know, but, but yeah. <laughs> What's that? The, I haven't even kiss. hugged someone in four months. Yeah. I'm <laughs> French I don't even I don't even kiss my partner. <laughs> oh on the my cheek. god! <laughs> so really? I, they're yeah. not doing it here, but wow. but I've seen people doing it. I mean, it's oh not as common as it was, but like, like hey. so I mean, it's like hey, wearing a mask is just a sign of hey, just solidarity. Like, your distances, no? Yeah. Do you do either of you get like slightly triggered when you go outside or you're in a space and there's a lot of people around not masking and not physical oh distancing God. and like I like actually like oh I, I get triggered anxiety. Yeah. yeah absolutely yeah and yeah. I think maybe this is a good point to talk about the trauma that goes along with having this disease because yeah. we are all left with PTSD yeah. you know we we all had points in our illness where many nights passed where we were afraid to go to sleep at night because we didn't know if we were going to wake up in the morning. And that's, that's a true story. You know, I, I mean, my partner used to wake up in the middle of the night and check to see if I was still breathing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so uh, to, to go out into public and to see all of these people carrying on as if there's no pandemic you know, yeah. not, not wearing a mask, not social distancing, coming at you the wrong way down the aisles in the grocery store. Yeah. Um, you know, my response is to get violent. Like, I feel violent when I see people threatening me in that way. Yeah. Um, that, you know, it's like fight or flight response. And for a long time, I was having panic attacks and in anxiety mode and in that flight response. Um, yeah. at, you know, at the height of my COVID symptoms, now I'm in fight mode. And not only do I want to fight for people to recognize that this is a serious thing, it doesn't matter who the fuck you are, you can get it and stay the hell out of my space. You know, like I've yelled at people in the grocery store, you're going the wrong way, you know, when they're coming at me down the aisle because yeah. it's threatening and I am traumatized. Yeah, I would be the same as you, but I don't even have the strength for that. Like, yeah, I mostly don't usually have the energy for that either. I can't. Like, it's yeah. not that I don't want to, but I feel like, yeah. like it's draining and uh, it's draining me. And I could like probably just like fall asleep if it had like I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, but like, <laughs> like <I've>, yeah. <laughs> no, but like yeah. uh, you know, it's it's yeah. that it it's that serious that you. Even if you see, like for me, even if I see something like that, I'm like, I'm choosing, which is 
totally not my nature, but to just like fall back on myself. You're just like shutting down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I called out a grocery store worker the other day when I went to get some stuff and he wasn't wearing a mask and I was in a mood and I was like, I was like, uh, you know, you should probably wear a mask. You're going to be in, t- you're going to be in contact with a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I had coronavirus and it was, re- and he just looked at me like, what? Like so shocked. Yeah. Um, it and exists. I was like, yeah, it was like a nightmare. And I, you know, like I, I told him like, I have always, and he just kind of was silent and was like almost humiliated fumbling. Like, well, I have it in my pocket. I just put it on. And I'm like, yeah, it's not, it's not a joke. Like, um, and yeah and in Montreal it's weird right now uh because there's a lot of people gathering inside in closed spaces in restaurants bars uh, I can't believe it bars Bars. and it's like they're opening they're opening you know office buildings to 25 percent capacity yet they're opening bars with more capacity which doesn't drunk, make any drunk sense. people are really good at like following yeah. rules and social yeah. distancing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't really know what the answer is, but I know that society is not um, designed to deal with this type of pandemic, and that I think everything is just going to have to be completely redesigned. Society has to be completely redesigned because I don't think it's going away anytime soon, especially with the way that the governments are Hell not no. actually following the science of of what it is. <laughs> which is an airborne yep. pan, like disease. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. There's, I, yeah, there's again, there's, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Amy. I just, I wanted to mention that, you know, the, the pros and cons of living in the woods. One of the cons is that like, I live in rural Quebec, which is certainly not the most progressive place in the world. And it's an aging population here in my small town. And my spouse is getting like literally, uh, the asshole with the mask. Oh, isn't that a bit excessive? Really? Like, Oh yeah, like it's like. I get it in Gatineau. I get it in Gatineau as well. If I go into a grocery store with a mask on, I actually had one man look at me and say, "Le COVID, c'est fini." Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, COVID is finished. Yeah. Yeah. What? Wow. Oh yeah, I had someone say that, and also I had I in a small town too. I went in and I had like a little thing of sanitizer and a mask on, and I had. I think I was touch. I was getting a bunch of things, and I I just grabbed a glove from the car, like a plastic, and she's like, yeah. C'est bien préparé, là. Oui, you're very prepared. Yes, I am. I'm very, very prepared. And uh, You've heard of the plague, right? Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) And you're you're welcome. Yeah. part of the plague? Yeah. Yeah. So, Chris... I've had that amongst my friends, even. Yeah. Your friends. You know, like, and I, it's, it's pretty puzzling because... I don't like to sort of like, uh, you know, diss people and just say they are stupid. So I'm, no, but like I'm, I'm trying, like I, yeah, it hurts me to just say that. So I'm just like, there must be something inside, you know, like, and, and actually they are trying, I, it, again, like my only or like perpetual answer to this is just like, they're just trying to reassure themselves. Yeah, it's just cognitive dissonance. It's like fucking like traumatizing, and I know. I mean, I know it's horrible. I mean, yeah. we've been also like shit scared is not even the word that could describe how we. Yeah, I've never been so scared in my life. Yeah. I've never experienced that much terror in my life. Yeah. Repetitively too, like yeah. I think one thing. 
Yeah, and one people are trying to just like sort of like reassure, like yeah, but now it's over. Like you know, like people are coming to see me and 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 just telling me, yeah, but now you know, it's behind you. You have to get over it. Fuck! What the fuck do you know? Like in the middle of the night when I wake up and actually my right eye can't open on its own. Yeah. And this is <laughs> happened the past two weeks. Now I have to go for a fucking MRI of the optic nerve you know like yeah yeah am i I supposed to chill yeah well i think one of the interesting things that was in the thread the other day was both white feather and emily saying that this was much worse than childbirth Mm -hmm. (laughs) and also uh, emily breaking her back pleasure Yeah. yeah, and I, I read something recently, uh, you, you can maybe back me up or not, but that um, menstrual cramps are like equivalent pain to heart attacks in some cases. And I think that this goes back to what you were saying in, in White Feather at the beginning of the conversation. Yeah, no. Like it's a feminist issue that yeah. women especially are just told to ignore their pain or that it's normal. I, I literally was told by a male doctor to stop paying attention to my symptoms because... Yeah. It was all just caused by anxiety. Yeah. I, I got told that it was anxiety when I was in the hospital for like the fifth time. Or he said, you seem really anxious. And I said, yeah, uh, I feel like I'm having a heart attack and I can't breathe. So it's causing me some anxiety right now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it, there's, it didn't really do much. But he also yeah. just wrote COVID, COVID resolved in my file at that point. And I was I was uh in a lot of pain from pericarditis and from a lot of other things and so that's another thing that i think is is something to talk about the fact that they're calling all these files resolved when all these people are still chronically ill yeah it's, like resolved is like not dead and probably not gonna yeah, like yeah, in, yeah in our in our yeah. arms in this moment yeah, yeah <laughs> resolved exactly. yeah, yeah. Resolved literally means that we are not uh, contagious after two weeks that's what for yeah. me that's what it means as far as they know yeah, yeah. yeah. for me it just means that we're not dead <laughs> I don't know. exactly yeah when this all yeah. began i told myself that it was probably anxiety for three weeks you know that's how well you know i feel like i've been trained in this culture to like kind of deny myself what's going on until it became so physically evident that it wasn't just um anxiety and then it was almost like a triumph when I had the uh, CT scan done and it was uh, something literal on an, you know, that they could yeah. look at it and see, there it is, there it is. Yeah. For me, it's like the, this whole process has just retaught me that I have to listen to my intuition and yeah. use a combined effort of like what medical science there is out there, kind of the spiritual element and my own gut, yeah. you know, feeling. So Krista, yeah. in, in all the years that I've known you, which has been many, I know that you contend with everything that happens in your life with by writing songs about it. Have you yeah. written your, your COVID song yet? Or how many COVID <laughs> songs? I haven't written the COVID opus yet, no. But I was thinking a lot about sending, I haven't sent the, the, our, the uh, Coven, the uh, Girl Possessed song, but I thought that would be a pretty fun one. Because, um, yeah, we were talking about the menstrual cramps being anyway equivalent of a heart attack and i did have well i had endometriosis and i've had three surgeries for that and i have had um i did have one moment where i ended up at the er and i thought it must be something like an ulcer or something super extreme or something had ruptured and and basically it was an extreme 
cramping period from endometriosis that was mimicking what I was told after is like contractions from birthing contractions. Wow. I was sweaty yellow and I blacked out at my first day on the job in Toronto. And anyway, in the ER, the doctor said to me, oh, this is perfectly normal. Like most women get this when they get their periods. I'm just going to write you a prescription for these um, muscle relaxants. And I'm thinking, what? How all women are going through this every month? Like (laughs) from around 12. I was like, oh my God. And then yeah, that became part of um, the Girl Possessed song as well. It came back years later. But um, anyways, all this. Off can the we, uh, can we about, Amy. <laughs> I was asking you if you'd written the COVID opus oh, the yet. Opus. I know there's, yeah, there's got to be an EP coming out. Like <laughs> There's a lot of angsty songs right now. One of them was Hot Stink that I wrote two days ago when I biked <laughs> somewhere to get some uh, stuff to make masks. And I was punched in the face with the compost smell of Montreal, which is wow. atrocious for anyone that lives in the city. It has a it's compost been so hot lately. I haven't been able to smell it. So. Oh, wow. Silver lining. Yeah. Well, I'm, wa- I'm waking up in the middle of the night smelling foul smells. So. That's right. Maybe I'll write a smell, anti-smell smell song. Yeah. Are you smelling, White Feather, are you smelling uh, smoke at all? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah, I have I'm that smelling, uh, I wake up in the middle of the night smelling burning plastic, um, toast, um, baking bread once yeah and also like burning rusty metal like as if a cast iron pan is on fire yeah for me it was well go ahead what were you saying no i was just gonna say like waking up with no smell i feel like is less (laughs) terrifying than waking up to burning smell (laughs) my house is on fire my house is on fire yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. it's just terrified on your behalf please yeah no i was just gonna say for me like it was it was categorically nothing for a really long time uh and in which case and and during that time i burned many things on the stove i almost ate a couple (laughs) things that were rotten um, oh, no. I just literally couldn't tell. Boiled but, milk, like that's uh, oh, the No, I have to get my partner to smell every single thing that I, ah. I put consume because I have no. But then, then I guess maybe a month and a half ago, I started getting everything started smelling or tasting like smoke. So when I inhaled it, it would smell like smoke. But if I ate a burrito, it would taste like smoke. Um, so it was anything that I would consume, an orange juice, it tastes like smoke. Um, and then now it's kind of, then there was, then there was like a few days where everything tasted like garbage or like, like, like the most disgusting foul, like my food, I put it in my mouth and I'm like, Oh, like it's so disgusting. Yeah. Um, And and for me, it tasted like tinfoil. Yeah. For me, it wasn't tinfoil, but it was just like gross. Like it was maybe like, as if I was eating compost, like that type of like the gross rotten smell. Um, and taste and so that happened and then that went away and it went back to nothing and then and then it went back to the smoke and then it went back to the kind of garbagey whatever and now I'm kind of in a weird middle ground where I don't really have it so I, I, I don't I don't know like at first I thought okay well because it's evolving maybe it's just the regeneration and it's, you know, but who knows? I mean, some people have phantosmia and anosmia and it, it lasts forever and other times it heals. So I'm just hoping that my nerves were severely damaged and they're just slowly, it's just taking a long time to grow back. Yeah. I can yeah. tell that my nerves are growing back because uh, for about 24 hours, I had these weird pinprick feelings all over my body, like arms, yeah. legs, feet, hands. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is a I sign that. that, yeah. that nerves are regenerating 
Hopefully. One interesting thing, which I don't know if we've talked about in the thread is um, w with all the pains that we've been getting is endothelial. Uh, this is maybe too, too nerdy for this one, guys, but the, you know, it's a blood vessel disease. And they're saying that I, I read somewhere the other day that it takes four months for a complete regeneration of the endothelial cells. Oh, interesting. And so I was wondering, I'm like, interesting, because I do feel like I've turned a corner in the past like week and a half yeah. in a different way, because there was a certain point, there was a while where it felt like I had like acid going through my veins under yeah. my heart. Yeah. And, and that feeling I haven't had in, in maybe a couple weeks. And I was just, I, I, then I heard about the regenerating of that and how it takes four months. And I was like, interesting. I wonder, anyways, it's a thought. Yeah. I'm still having the internal vibrations, like these really yeah. deep core tremors. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. But I've noticed that in about the past week, it's barely noticeable now. So that's good. It's definitely starting to go away. Yeah. But we're still seeing new cases all over the place. I mean, ha have you dealt a lot maybe through the body positive with um, people who are living in the States and contending with this without uh, socialized medicine? Can you, I know none of us are American, um, but can any of you speak to the experience of your friends or your peers or your colleagues who are navigating a completely different healthcare system? I personally don't uh, I know anyone in the States that has it that I've spoken to. Sorry, White Feather, go ahead. Yeah, um, for a lot of people, uh, it's a huge economic concern. And that's something that's also not talked about with COVID and having this disease. And it's something I think needs to be talked about more because people, I mean, especially people like us, artists, um, you know, we're in an economically precarious position. Uh, thankfully, in Canada, we have access to free health care. Otherwise, we would be completely fucked. Yeah. And, and I think that that's what you're seeing with a lot of people in the U.S. right now. I mean, some people can't even afford to see a specialist. You know, like, yeah. I've seen a neurologist. I've, I've, you know, we've seen specialists. And it's, it's not out of pocket for us. But um, that's what they're struggling with in the U.S., you know, like, People are coming out of hospitals with million-dollar medical bills if they've been on a ventilator for any yeah. you know amount of time, and I think you know for a lot of people like the anti-masks anti-maskers who we were talking about, I think we need to put things in economic terms for people. Like you are looking at a debilitating disease that's going to put you on your ass for a minimum of four months where you can't work. You know what does that look like economically? What what else? I mean you know, assuming you survive, um, which yeah. not everybody does, uh, what's, what's your reality going to look like when you have no income for four months? Like, mm -hmm. you know, so in yeah. the U.S., this is, this is a big problem that I'm seeing. Yeah, which, which also brings it back to why uh, negative tests uh, need to be, like, Basically, they need to be presumed positive um, if people have the symptoms, because 66% of people who, will who are positive will test negative uh, on the 21st day of their infection, which yeah. means there is, and usually the way that it works, which from what I've seen is that people have, a, if they don't die within the first couple of weeks, they have a pretty rough few weeks and then they start to feel better and then they get slammed at the month mark and they yeah. go downhill. And at that point, you're not going to test positive. 
Um, And if you have to test positive to be able to get any type of employment uh, benefits or or like unemployment or disability or whatever, it's just, it can't happen. It has to be globally recognized that we need to be including presumed positives and um, clinical diagnoses. Yeah. And making the doctors put it in your file, like presumed positive, because it changes the way that people treat you. And I was lucky enough to be positive, but the three of you didn't get a positive test. And I've heard nightmare stories from people all across the world, like from South Korea, from Europe, from all over that have kind of been undermined completely from no matter what the healthcare system is just because of a negative test. And even though they're known to be so faulty. So I I chose not to mention that anymore. It's not my reality. It's it's there. I'm yeah. just saying that I had COVID and actually no yeah. one no one is asking anymore. They were like maybe the past like a month ago. But mm-hmm. now for months I never had the question like did you date when you came It's just like <laughs> not even in the discussion anymore. I'm like I would even I would even uh, advise to lie. Yeah. It's okay. and and in terms of you know getting treatment for COVID, there is no treatment for COVID. There's there's only treatment for you know the various uh, systems that it yeah. havoc on. So you know, but it is it is a good point though that you're bringing up, Becca. And and one thing that we are arguing a lot, uh, one thing that we have spoken to journalists about a lot, is that there's a reluctance to diagnose COVID based on clinical uh, assessment. And that just means consider the set of symptoms that people are presenting with. There is now, you know, a very specific set of symptoms. Um, It's broad, of course. And, you know, some of those symptoms fall into categories for other diseases. So of course, doctors need to sort of rule out other things. But if you look at the set of symptoms all together as one, it's very easy to see that this is COVID, whether or yeah. not there's a positive test or a negative test. Yeah. You know, for me, w- when I got it, w- like most of us, when we got it, there was not wide testing happening. You know, I was yeah. refused a test. They didn't test me until a month later. Mm-hmm. And of course I tested negative. You know, it wasn't yeah. in it wasn't in my sinus cavity at that point. Yeah. It was in my lungs yeah. and my heart. Yeah. And just one more thing that I want to add to that is um, that this person who I, one of the people who I've been speaking to a lot who is doing the working group for, uh, for the World Health Organization who's at Mount Sinai, um, he said that the consensus globally right now with the specialists who are in the working groups and who are studying it the most are including um, negatives now as positives but it's just not it's not known enough globally right now so it needs to kind of be blasted out i think a little bit more to the doctors and to all like to all the different uh types of like you know healthcare systems that are happening because he's it just seems like people don't know you know and i and i think a lot of the doctors are so slammed with patients that they're not doing the research like there's yeah. there's they're, they don't have time I, i've sent so many articles to my doctors and they've never seen it they don't even know i heard nothing about this at all. They don't have the time to research it. And that's another problem. I mean, I can say also that uh, I have been um, followed or just in, uh, seen the, the chief uh, infectiologist here in my uh, hometown in Normandy. And I have been also uh, seeing a, a professor infectiologist in Paris. 
and she has opened and she has opened um, uh, post, uh, how do you say, like long haulers uh, thing? Mm, like, uh, long haulers. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and they both wrote a letter, like she wrote a letter of recommendation for a neurologist um, and he wrote a letter to the pain center. I don't know if you have that in Canada. But we I do, can't. but it's impossible to get in. It takes, well, it's in Quebec. Yeah. Okay. So like he wrote a letter and basically at maybe like a week distance and, and he writes that I probably don't have COVID because I tested, because my serologies are negative. Oh, and and she God. writes like completely different because she has like 200 patients like me. Wow. Her, like she told me under her, uh, what do you say, like uh, watch. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so she just writes like, uh, she ha- she's experiencing this like neurological stuff, na 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 the arm, the left arm, the na na na. And then uh, she says, like we are seeing in all of our like uh, people like that. And, and so, mm-hmm. uh, because here in Normandy, it was like very little actually uh, infection. Uh, sorry, my brain is uh, starting to be uh, meltdown. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We understand. <laughs> so let's, let's wrap it up this way. Like, um, either a t-shirt slogan or you know <laughs> what i what i know for sure um we'll start with krista can you give me a, this is what i know for sure about covid oh wow amy i know <laughs> what i know is that it is evil and it is painful and damaging but through a mixture of science and intuition i feel like we can heal and uh, my wish is that the world would stop for 14 days. Everyone would stay in and it would just completely go away. That's my wish. Yeah. The miracle that would wish be amazing. That any of us have. Anyway, that's what I have to say. <laughs> Becca, what do you know for sure? Uh, I, I know for sure that if we don't stop for 14 days, it's going to be around for a really long time. And I think that people, if they really want to go on and live, like go on with life, there needs to be a collective acknowledgement that it's not going to go away unless it is uh, a collective thing or unless it's unfortunately like forced by governments in which in a way that we don't want so to happen. So, and it might not happen. It might, it might just be, so, I mean, I guess maybe my, my message isn't as positive <laughs> because I, I mean, I, I'm grateful to all of the people that I've met in this entire uh, thing. And I feel like I've come out of it on a different, like as a better human on a lot of levels because it's, it's been such a visceral experience. Um, But I don't want my family members to get it. And so I would just say, and my family protect your loved ones, you know, encourage people to wear masks and uh, you know, stay outdoors as much as you can with, with people that you're not potting it up with. <laughs> White feather. What do you know for sure? What I know for sure about COVID is that it's a curse. It is a demonic curse. It's like having a demon enter your body, find every single weakness that you may have and exploit that weakness. Yeah. This, this is what it is. And you know, as a witch, um, I've dealt with curses in the past. I have 
my techniques, I have my banishment spells, I have my protection spells. This is a curse that no spell, um, no single spell <laughs> will defeat. Um, so, you know, I would say like, do all of the protection shit right up front, you know, and uh, my healing has come from this amazing circle of women that have gathered around me. And it extends beyond this circle of women who are all here talking right now to like, you know, um, herbalists in New York who've sent mm-hmm. me tinctures in the mail. And, you know, my cousin witch who's been wild crafting herbs for me from my family farm and all of these people who have come together to try to break this curse, but it is a curse. Well, all you witches out there, a lot of our spells used little bits of fabric, and I think we all know the best spell to do with a little bit of fabric from this point on. Put it over your fucking face! Oh my god! <laughs> Put it over your yes, face! Yes. Jeez. Yes. If you have some left over, you can make little bundles with herbs and so on, but first step, first spell, first protection spell. Wear a fucking mask. Ask yourself! Cover your goddamn face! Krista, can we... Can, Oh, so go ahead. I have an idea. Yes. Uh, I was in uh, in Mexico uh, in residency before I came back in the beginning of March. And I bought on the market, <laughs> you know, this little... Um, uh, it's powder for, like, you know, getting lucky, for, like, putting the... You know, all these... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Make one. Fairy dust. Yeah, fairy dust. We should make uh, something. Like me, I just want to say that uh, for me, <laughs> I, yesterday was my 120th day of COVID. Yeah. And so yeah. I, said, I, I, I would say to answer your question of a slogan, I would say, uh, Salo, 120 <laughs> day of COVID. Mm-hmm. And all I got was this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. All I got were these lousy masks that Chris yeah. <laughs> Chris. Chris just talking through three them. masks. <laughs> so yeah, and again, like, you know, this can be wearable art. This can be a fashion statement. This can be a political statement, like our, our t-shirt slogans that were so popular. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can do the same thing with a little piece of fabric over your face. Krista, can we exit with Girl Possessed? Yeah. Good. Let's I'm listen. Sure awesome. I, I'm pretty sure I have to <laughs> yes. If I don't, you're going to send me another. another oh, one. I'll send you. I'll send everybody in the uh, the yes. COVID coven a copy of that. Because, yeah. Awesome. yeah. Uh, As a side note, Emily. Amy, I just want to say, because um, you didn't mention it, but we did a collaboration. Of and, course we uh, did. For Amy made beautiful psychedelic visual videos for every single track from my album, The Tides, which was cool. dedicated to the women in Toronto who supported me at the Endometriosis Network. Wow. And I just want to say that, um, yeah, I'm extremely grateful for this, this coven and for all the interconnectivity of all this because it really does. <laughs> it's very healing and empowering. And that's what we need right now. Yeah. yeah healing and empowering. So everyone stay safe, stay mighty, wear a mask, be vulnerable and candid in your experience. Seek out people that you can relate to and talk to and be honest with 
and still have them consider you a warrior <laughs> um, yeah. and safe, stay safe and mighty. And now let's hear Girl Possessed by Krista Muir from her EP. It's gonna be alright 